Jesus, we praise you and we lift you up. You are a mighty God. There is none like you. Father, you are the beginning. You are the end. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. We give you praise today, Jesus. We don't wait to see you do what we want you to do. We don't wait to see you come on our agenda. But Jesus, right now, in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we give you praise right now. Thank you, Father, for your presence in our midst. Thank you that you are deeper than a spiritual goosebump. You are deeper than an emotion. You are deeper than just some fleeting feeling. You are the rock-solid foundation. Greater are you, Jesus, the one in us, than he that is in the world. And we are hanging on to you and your strength today. It's with that understanding that we come to your word. Not because we're bored, not because we couldn't figure out what to do with time, but because we believe your word is living and active, Father. We believe that when you speak, you bring things into existence. And so, Lord, as we study your word today, would you help us not hear from a man, but would you speak to us with your breath, your ruach. We want to not just be stirred, but to be changed by you. So we give you our hearts, our minds, and our attention now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, church, I love worshiping Jesus with you. Now, I don't know if if you enjoy giving praise to Jesus, but it lights my fire. If you don't enjoy it yet, you're welcome here. That's okay. You be who you are. You just sit in the presence of God. But I tell you what, be careful. Before long, you'll find it starts an all-consuming passion. When you begin to see that there's no person in this room who comes even close to the importance of Jesus, when we lift him up, when we get our eyes off of ourselves, off of each other, and onto Jesus, some powerful things happen. We're going to be doing that in this series and in this message today. I, I don't know that I've ever done this before in the month of October. We're going to preach on Mary. Now, some of you, you don't need to check your... Uh, phone or check your watch to make sure you're not behind in Christmas shopping. It's not Christmas time yet, but it is time for us to dive into this journey as we look at Mary's life and what God has done in her life. And we're going to spend a number of weeks chewing on the bread of life, the word of God, and seeing what God did in Mary's life, but not just a history lesson. We're going to begin to say, God, how could I learn from what you did in Mary's life? Could I trust you in similar ways. The story of Mary's life opens with this shocking event. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and announces that she will be the mother of the Messiah, of Jesus. And Mary responds with these words, let it be to me according to your word. Now this series we're diving into, Mary devoted to God's plan, it's designed to help you and I respond to God as Mary responds to God. Now, now don't misunderstand me, God's plan for your life is different than Mary's. I'm not suggesting that, that the very same plan that God had for Mary is the same plan he has for you. That, that is, is not the case. But as we see Mary's response to God and her devotion to God, I believe it is an example to us of how we too could expect God to work, and how we too could respond to what it is he's doing. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll be there in just a minute. But before we we dive into the text and we we, we dig in a little bit deeper, I want to start with the end. So we're going to come back to this thought in a minute, but I want to give it to you right now. This is where we're going to end up. This is the whole point of the message is this. You see, when we follow God, we should expect 
the unexpected. Sometimes God asks us to do what seems outrageous. It's sometimes it seems like he asks us to do something so extreme. At times he leads us into circumstances that appear to demand more of us than what we have to give. That's exactly what happened in Mary's life. Mary was going about the ordinary everyday task that she had when a heavenly messenger crossed her path. This angel Gabriel brought the message from the Lord with the news that would turn her life upside down. God chose her to give birth to a son, to the Messiah, to fulfill the prophecies that a virgin would give birth to the awaited Messiah. It's hard for me to imagine God asking any more of an extreme request of anyone than what Mary heard that day. She must have been bewildered. Gabriel gave her very few details of how this was going to take place, and saying yes to God meant That she was saying yes to God in face of all kinds of danger. She had every human reason to expect rejection, to expect shame, to expect even death. How did Mary respond? She responds with these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your will, your word. Now, I want us to examine Mary's response, this profound and courageous response, accepting God's shocking and redemptive plan in her life. But that's where we're going to end up. I want us to begin thinking about the scriptures, and we're going to look at some background to make sure we understand how profound all of this is and how complicated it was for Mary. We'll see some parallels in our life as well. For example, if if you and I follow God for any length of time, we could expect difficulties in life. So one of the ways that God helps us grow is by taking us through difficulties. This idea that sometimes God asks us to do things that seem outrageous, extreme, or he leads us into demanding circumstances, it's because he wants to use them in our life and use us in those circumstances. But friend, often when God unexpectedly asks us to step out into faith that appears to jeopardize our comfort, jeopardize our life, jeopardize our very existence, often we resist, often we recoil, often we rethink, or we we scale it down, or we, we begin to rationalize how this must not be God, even when he's asking us to play a role in his plan. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to look at some of these verses here, uh, summarizing through uh, 5 through 25. There's two announcements. The first we're looking at is the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So we find this priest, look at verse 8. Once when Zechariah was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. He was about his priestly duties. Look at verse 10. And when the time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. He found himself alone doing what he was supposed to be doing in his ritual as a priest. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. 
He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Verse 16, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord, and in the spirit and power of Elijah, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to wisdom of righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah, he responds to this angel, and he asks, how can any of this happen? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> now, I just have to pause. If you can't find humor in Scripture, this is kind of humorous. When you call yourself old and then respectfully call your wife well along in years, you just said the same thing. But, but he's declaring, I'm old. My wife's old. What you're saying is not possible. Oh, most likely there was a time when they longed for it to take place. We have evidence that he was, was praying for this to take place. But, but how could this be? Verse 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the proper time. Now, let's skip down to verse 26. That's the first announcement. That's the first part in this story. And before we get to Mary's narrative, we need to see that God was already working. In fact, that's a key thought for us right there, that before we see this unexpected thing that God does in our life, He is often already at work. He's already moving. He's already doing the impossible. And we enter into His plan. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is the birth of Jesus being foretold. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30, But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary in her humanness asks in verse 34, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, how can this happen? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. Verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now, as we look at this scripture, and, and for some of us it's very familiar. Others, maybe that's more detailed than what you'd remember. You heard about Mary being the mother of Jesus, and we see her with a, a, a blue thing over her head at, at, at Christmas time, or a white thing over her head with a blue dress on, and, and that's just the end of what we know. But pretty soon we're going to get to know Mary very well. And I want us to look for some observations in this text together before we land on some application for us. And the first is this. Let's look at the similarities between these two announcements. 
Gabriel is there talking to both of these people. You find Zechariah having an encounter with Gabriel, and you have Mary having an encounter with Gabriel. To both of them, he says, don't be afraid. Something startled them. Something took them off guard. And their humanness, they couldn't quite understand. And the comforting words of this angel, don't be afraid. It was the same. Now, we find for Zechariah this call to name this promised son, this special son. Call him John, the angel tells Zechariah. Mary, call your son Jesus. Then there's this description of what will take place. Zechariah, your son, John, he will turn many to God. Mary, your son, Jesus, he will reign forever. What's happening here? Luke is recording Gabriel's appearance to Zechariah, announcing the birth of John, and follows immediately with the account of Gabriel's appearance to Mary. This back-to-back parallel accounts highlights the relationship between Jesus and John. There's some similarities of what God is doing. Gabriel announces their birth. Gabriel gives the appointed names for each son and proclaims the future impact that each man will have in the future. Zechariah and Mary both question Gabriel, who answers them both by emphasizing God's power. Now that's the similarity. Now let's, let's observe the text we just read. There's some differences. There's some distinction that takes place. Let's look at these together. We find Zach and Liz here on, on the left. They're married. Mary is not. She doesn't have a husband yet. She's betrothed, she's engaged, but she is not married yet. Another difference we see is Zach and Liz, they are too old for kids. Mary, she's too young for kids. Zach and Liz, they are hesitating Zechariah is hesitating instead of celebrating this news that that could and should have been very exciting for them. Maybe startling, but exciting. While Mary, she responds by celebrating instead of hesitating, even though the news could have been very, very scary and detrimental to her future, at least in her human understanding. What makes these announcements different is the recipient's life circumstances. As I said, Zach was was a priest serving God in the temple when Gabriel appeared to him. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were old, didn't have kids. We can presume that this couple had wanted kids, but now when God gives this news, it should and could have been a cause for celebration. And contrasting that to Mary, she was just a young girl. She was betrothed to Joseph, not married to him. In Mary's culture, an unwed woman who got pregnant It was not only shameful, it was a violation of the Mosaic law. Gabriel's message to Mary would cause her, no doubt, great anxiety and fear. He he prefaced his announcement by saying, don't be afraid, Mary. But how could this girl not be afraid? How could Mary explain this pregnancy to her family, to Joseph, the one she's betrothed to? Would they ever believe her? Would she be cast out of her village? Would she be stoned to death? Yet, instead of being overcome with fear and allowing herself to be stuck and frozen there, Mary displays great courage as she responds in faith, as she humbly embraces the role of the servant of the Lord. 
Now, as, as we dig a little bit deeper, we're going to come back to where we started and see what that means to us. But, but those are some observations of what's similar and what's different. Now I want to look at the very real-life risk this was for Mary. When we look at the risk, there were legal ramifications that would have been very important for us to remember in Mary's life. Mary had every earthly human reason to not only feel anxious, but to be scared to death by Gabriel's announcement. Betrothal in Mary's day carried the weight that was equal to marriage. As a legally binding arrangement, betrothal could only be broken by divorce. Even before marriage, the betrothed couple were often referred to as husband and wife. And most significant for Mary's situation, any sexual infidelity during the betrothal period was considered adultery and was punishable by death under the Mosaic law. Her pregnancy placed her on a path of family shame, community scorn, and it put her very life in danger. That's the context of the legal ramifications. We find in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, Joseph clearly is upset when he learns that Mary is pregnant. He decides to break off this engagement quietly to avoid any further disgrace. And as he begins to move into that aspect it's obvious he's not believing that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Legal ramifications, there's emotional ramifications. Joseph now plays a role in this story of God and this long-awaited Messiah. He's instrumental in providing safety for Mary and for the baby and providing for them. And when Joseph needs to know that Mary hasn't been unfaithful, God sends an angel, a messenger to him in a dream to confirm Mary's explanation. This angel declares that Joseph should proceed with the marriage and confirms that the pregnancy was originated by God himself. Joseph also learns that the child should be named Jesus because he will grow up to save the people from their sin. This dream convinces Joseph. And the emotional ramifications would have been huge for Mary and for Joseph. All the emotions going back and forth. Have you been unfaithful to me? Are you faithful to me? Are you lying to me? I want to believe you. But since when did babies just happen? I, I trust you, Mary. I love you, Mary. I, I'm hearing everything you're saying, but that's impossible. There was emotional ramifications taking place for Mary in this time as well. But we see in the face of that a remarkable devotion. Mary now accepts God's plan and it radically changes her life. It puts her entire future, at least by her earthly view, in jeopardy. Joseph could have broken off the marriage agreement and that arrangement. Mary's status as an unwed mother would have not only hurt her, but it would have put her in a place where any future marriage would have been impossible for her. The Bible doesn't say whether Mary considers all these threats of her future before surrendering to God's will, but it does simply tell us that Mary recognizes that obedience was the only action she needed to take. She devoted herself completely to God, and she says these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Well, that's the background. That's diving into the scripture. That's looking at some observations of the text. What in the world does this mean for you or me? Why should we be concerned about this? How could the Lord use this in our life? Friend, when things aren't going so well in our life, it's easy for you and me 
to slip into a spiritual lull. Things we get comfortable, whether it's going well or not, we just kind of slip into this lull. But God allows and blends into the busy background of our life some challenges. And when we look where God is at work in our life and in the world, it's often a bumpy road. God calls us to grow and to participate in his plan, and that can mean allowing him to do some things in us that we never, ever imagined. When God called us to step out into a path of extraordinary faith, how did we respond? When God called Mary out, she asked questions, and her humanness she she didn't understand, but she responds in faith. How do you and I respond when things don't make sense to us? So in our final moments together, I want us to to look back at this passage, Luke 1, and go to 28 with me again. You found the context. You've heard the setting. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus mary had this unexpected invitation from the lord and mary had this encounter that she could never ever have imagined she didn't wake up that day saying you know what it'd be really good if god would come visit me with an angel today she didn't wake up with her, with her duties and, and the, the, the looking forward to the, 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 the wedding date of, with Joseph and, and all the things they planned for their life. You know what? It'd be great to just be with child right now and have no earthly understanding or reason of how it took place. God literally interrupted her day with the messenger and Gabriel brought news that turned her life upside down. Friend, I think one thing we can take from this, if you're going to be on a journey with God, if you're going to allow God to work in your life, he will do some things that's unexpected. And you and I should begin to expect the unexpected in our life. How many times are we disappointed because we're looking for God in a church service? We're looking for God in a study. We're looking for God in a situation at work. And God doesn't show up the way that we figured he would. Here at Grace Point, we talk about uh, having a, a worship experience that's led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. We talk about giving freedom for the Spirit to move. Why? That's not because we don't have a plan. If you know me well at all, if you would get to know me, I love having my ducks in a row. I have a box. In my closet that says Navy, Navy socks go in there. They are rolled and only Navy goes in there. I have another box that says black and they are rolled and black goes in there. There's another one for brown and then there is a the final one that says miscellaneous that can't fit in the black or the Navy or the brown category. I love my ducks in a row. So following the leading of the Holy Spirit in the service is not because we just enjoy shooting from the hip and we don't want to have a plan. No, 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 hogwash. We're saying God's plan is always better than any organization that I could do, any organization that you could do. And friend, that, that's maybe silly when it looks at our preferences of how we keep our closet, but when you look at your life, sometimes we're so rock-solid set that God can only move right here. Sunday, between 9 and 10.15, do whatever you want, God. 10.18, I'm out. Expect the unexpected. God can only show me great revelation right before I get married, right before I take that job, 
right before I have kids, but all the other times in life, I've got that filled out. Expect the unexpected. Well, what do you mean? How, how can I expect the unexpected? Welcome when you know it's God. Don't look for him to always be on your plan, your agenda. It's more important to say, God, where are you at? I want to follow your plan, your agenda. Let's continue to look and see what Mary did. I think there's some help for us in this as well. As we read on, look at verse 37. <laughs> uh, let's, let's back up. Verse 34. I love this about Mary. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Now, now the, 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 the lesson for us is not that Mary was just perfectly okay with all this. Oh, this is great. I'm not afraid. I love this. Hey, I'm not downplaying Mary, but friend, Mary wasn't sinless. The only person on the face of the earth who walked the earth who was without sin was Jesus. Mary was a sinful woman just like any of us here, but her response to God was a holy one, not because of who she was, but because of who she trusted. And in the trust process, she said, how can this be? It makes no sense to me. And then Gabriel, look at his response, what he says to her. Well, the the Lord will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will move on you. This does not answer my question. Angel, it does not make sense. They they did not teach us this in school, how you can be impregnated. This does not make any sense. And then he says, but, but, but look, the one who's going to do this work in you, keep reading there in that text, Elizabeth, your relative, has already had the miraculous of God. There's this confirmation that takes place. Next week we'll talk about that. But there's this confirmation that takes place in her heart that God is already doing something amazing in someone else. And look, look, it's not just you. And then Mary gets these words from the angel. Nothing is impossible with God. Angel wanted to, uh, angel. Mary wanted to know how this could be. And Gabriel, the angel, says, let me just tell you what you need to know. Not what you're asking. What you need to know is nothing is impossible with God. Friend, there's some hope there for some of us today. God does not have the same plan for you that he did for Mary. But he will interrupt your day. And he is wanting you to expect the unexpected. And when he speaks to you and when he calls you to do it, there will be times when you say, how could this be, God? I don't know if I can move in that kind of obedience. I don't see how this could work this way. And the Lord wants to bring affirmation to you again. Nothing is impossible with me. Oh, about... Two or three weeks ago, I was studying this passage of Scripture in preparation for, for today, and, and this was ministering to me, and it was kind of an aha moment. And uh, as I read that on a particular week, on a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I had some pretty hard meetings that were taking place. On a scale of 1 to 10, they were pretty intense. They were an 8, 9, one of them was like a 10, and, and I just felt the peace of God moving through me. I just knew that the Lord was supplying the words to say, and I felt comfort in my heart, and it wasn't typical for me, and I just felt exciting, and, and it was just reminded of this verse, nothing's impossible with you, God, it's so good, until Wednesday afternoon. I had a situation that came up, and it wouldn't be appropriate for me to share all the details, but this wasn't a big deal. On a scale of 1 to 10, it was a 3. It was just a routine thing I had to work through, and it was getting my goat, getting aggravated, thinking about this number level 3 thing, and just frustrating me you ever get frustrated i got frustrated had a great day lots of people encouraging me it was a wonderful thing i was just aggravated went home and i was a crabby person my wife carrie said what's wrong with you i said i don't know you need to help me get out of it she said well snap out of it i said that doesn't help i just felt crabby and 
and I was doing everything I knew. Lord, I know this isn't right. I, don't want, I know you don't want me to be caught up in this, and nothing's impossible with you, God. And, and I don't know what the problem is here. And it was in that next morning in the shower, I felt the Lord say to me, Brady, it's so good that you trust me with all these 8, 9, and 10 level things. Nothing's impossible with me. But I need to tell you something else. Everything's impossible with you. To really understand what the angel is saying, nothing is impossible for God, I believe we need to hear the inverse and receive it and say, everything is impossible with you and for sure with me. It wasn't until I moved in confession of that to some of my brothers that I felt freedom in my heart. But friend, I think there's truth here for somebody. Expect the unexpected. Recognize when God calls you to that plan, He will provide what is possible. Nothing's impossible for him. You're going to have to understand that everything's impossible for you. And finally, this last thought and we'll be through. Mary steps out on faith before she has all the answers. What would it look like for you to step out in faith before you have all the answers? The angel just gave some broad brushstrokes and Mary responds, Not understanding how, not understanding why, but says, may it be so. Let what you have said to me come to pass according to your word. I am your servant. Well, there's the scripture text for today. There's a few bits of application for us. But my heart really feels like this is more of a springboard launch this morning than it is a time of completion of understanding. So in your outline, if you turn to that back page, you'll see a bunch of questions. Here's my invitation to you. Take some time with someone today, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe it can't be today, maybe it needs to be later on this week, and talk through some of these questions. Begin to chew on this a little bit and allow the Lord to take this seed of truth from Scripture and plant it deep into your heart and let it grow. Because I believe God wants to start something, not just because of a new series, but start something in us that will prepare us for the unexpected that he's invited us into. Church, would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, just a number of moments ago, I share with the church Paul's words, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. Lord, I feel that with my brothers and sisters today. I thank you, Father, for these men and women who so faithfully come into your presence week in and week out and who so give attention to your word week in and week out and and who love you diligently. I thank you, Father, for a church and for a people like this here at Grace Point. And Lord, as much as I love them, I don't lift them up as the pinnacle. I don't put them on the pedestal. Jesus, we have a great staff. We have great lay leaders in this church. But we don't lift them up. They're not our hope. Jesus, you are our hope. And and I ask today, Lord, in our midst, would you begin to give us a hunger and thirst? Would you begin to create a gnawing ache in our spiritual gut to chew more on what it is you did in Mary's life. And just like this account that we just barely scratched the surface, that we'll talk more in weeks to come, it didn't make any sense to Mary. 
When she heard it, it could bring great fear to Mary. But she responds in faith. Before she understands, she leaps out in trust for you. Lord, I invite you to invade the thoughts and minds of my brothers and sisters this week. Would you help us to, to not just audit our spiritual history on, on how much we're trusting you, but Lord, would you invite us in in unexpected ways to trust you, the one who nothing is impossible with, to be more than enough. Lord, maybe there's another brother or sister like me that today they just need to be reminded that while nothing is impossible with you, Father, everything is impossible with us on our own. We give you glory and praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. As you take off today, go chew on the bread of life. May your heart be fed. You're dismissed.